Good afternoon and welcome to the Serious Security uh, Computer Security Seminar from Purdue University. Today our speaker is PhD student Weining Yang and he is uh, working with Professor Ninghui Li. His topic today is uh, on the top, uh, issue of privacy and electricity metering, the uh, load profile data that uh, utility companies can gather from electricity meters. Uh, uh, some of the the fine resolution of that data reveals information about the customer. So today's topic, minimizing private data disclosures in the smart grid. We need? Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, good afternoon, everybody. So today I will talk about minimizing private data disclosure in the smart grid. So to begin with, I will give you some brief idea of what is smart grid. So smart grid, actually people sometimes call it smart meters because smart meter is the main component of the smart grid. And smart grid is something, it's an uh, elect electrical grid that can use the information and also can act on this information. So for this information, smart meter is the, is the component that can, uh, that can collect this information. So in the rest of the talk, I will mainly concentrate on the smart meters. And also I should give you some idea what is the smart meter. So the term smart meter here often refers to an electricity meter, but it can also mean a device measuring maybe natural gas or water consumption. So we also call smart meters real-time meters or near real-time meters. That is because smart meter can record data with a pretty high frequency, let's say one second or one minute. So if you get the data, it will be pretty similar to the real-time usage. So that's why we call it real-time meters. And in contrast, we also listed the conventional meter here. So the conventional meter, we also call it interval meter or time of use meter because it can just record the total consumption for some period of time. And another feature for the smart meter is it can transmit the data use the wireless network. And that's the difference of the smart meter and the conventional meters. So nowadays, there's a, there's a lot of implement, implementation of smart meters. And here's just some examples in the United States. So we can see here from 2006, so in the California, there are already 9 million meters. There's a plan for 9, 9 million meters to be installed in Northern California. It starts from 2006, and the plan is for five years. So I guess it has already been finished now. And for Austin Energy, it's a big, uh, it's a national ninth largest uh, community comp uh, electricity utility. And it also wants to uh, deploy about 2,600,000 ,000 smart meters. And to see something closer, there's an example in the CPS energy, there will be about 40,000 meters. And actually, there's, there's more and more smart meters all over the world. So here's some example countries that has already started their smart meter program. And in this slides, I listed some countries. They haven't uh, started the program, that's, but they have the plan for the smart meters. So the thing is, we can see smart meter is really popular these days. But why people like smart meter? And here I will give you some potential benefit for the smart meter. So first, for the utility company, they want smart meter 
the main reason is that using smart meter, they can set different prices for consumption based on the time of day and the seasons. So based on that pricing policy, they can encourage customers to adjust their consumption habits to be more responsible to the market. So for example, they may reward the customers who shift the energy uses to the off-peak period. And by doing this, they can, um, they, can for, they can balance the consumption usage to some extent. So basically what they can do is when the electricity usage is high, they set the price to be high. So customer will not be not willing to use the electricity at that time. And when the price is low, oh, so, sorry, when the, when the electricity load is low, then the price may be lower. So more people will try to use the appliances at that time. So for that reason, we can see that the result of that is the maximum electricity load can be lower. So that's what the electricity company wants. By doing this, what they can do is they can construct less additional generation, or at least they can purchase more uh, less energy when the price is high. So another potential benefit for the utility company here is they may try to eliminate some jobs because as mentioned before, smart meters can use the wireless network to directly transmit the data. So there's no need for a person to collect data and something. And also for the customer, there's also some benefits. So the first benefit is they can estimate their bills. And actually this is the major source of the complaints for many customers nowadays. And also the smart meter can be a good tool to help the customer to better manage their energy use. Because the smart meter can give them a real-time data. So from this data, customer can know that at, w at what time they have some high level, high level electricity usage. So they may know that what appliances is energy cost, energy cost uh, costed. So if they want to reduce their bill, they may, they may be able to switch their usage of their uh, that appliances to some low time period of time. Mm. So by doing this, this uh, basically the smart meter can help people to manage their energy use and reduce their energy bills. Some interesting thing is, so from the previous slides we can see smart meter is actually some promising new technique that can help people a lot. But here's some interesting thing. So just this afternoon I tried to search the smart meter, this term on Google. And then you can see the first result is from Wikipedia that is not that meaningful. And uh, for the second result we can see it's just some complaints about the smart meters. So it seems that people do not like smart meters, right? So here's the, it's the screen uh, it's, a, it's just a figure of that web page. So we can see people listed a lot of uh, drawbacks of the smart meters here. And actually, if we read the result further, we can read the top 10 results from Google. It's just for smart meter. And we can see seven of them are negative results. So they think smart meters are bad things. And just three of them, I, I use Green Circle to illustrate it's some, it's some positive results. And actually the first result, I, it's, it should actually not be, not to say positive because it's from Wikipedia. So we can see from that, 
most people do not like the smart meters. That's something interesting. So why? If we look into detail what people complain about, so the main reason they are complaining about the smart meter is the health problem. So that is basically because of the wireless mechanism for the transmit data. And uh, so the wireless will cause the microwave radiation and the people think that will damage their health. And some, re some other reason people said smart meters are bad are the costs. So people think that to install the smart meter is expensive and also to run the smart grid, the network of the smart meter may be also be expensive. So the result of this, people think that installing smart meter will cost more. And uh, some other potential risks, fire risks, I will, I will not expand that. And uh, what I will be focusing on, the, on this talk is the privacy. So I will give some more precise definition of the problem here. So, so remember what I said before, smart meter is something that can record the data with a pretty high frequency, so I listed here. Uh, the granularity here for the smart meter can be minutes or seconds. So that is basically what people are concerned about. Oh, sorry, I missed something. So we call this the series of data with the one minute or one second uh, frequency, we call it load profile. And here's the example of the load profile here. Uh, I think uh, it's maybe clear enough. I, I, was, I will say something. So for, from this figure, we can see it's, uh, it's a load profile for about three days. And from this figure, we can see almost every day from approximate 11 p.m. to the, at the other day in the morning to the 6 a.m., we can see the electricity load is always low at that time period. So can anyone have some idea so what happens for the resident at the house at that time period's time? I think they're sleeping. Yeah, definitely. So <laughs> it's, it's just caused by people are sleeping at that time period of time. And the other thing we can observe from this load profile is there are some peaks here. So we can, we can guess that they are caused by some uh, energy maybe consuming appliances. So maybe they are cooking or maybe they are taking the shower. We know that water heater is really cost a lot of energy here. This thing, I mean, this um, graph that you're showing, this has been going on for like many years, ever since the first Samuel Ensel, when he first built um, his um, his electric company, the Chicago Edison, something like that. This has been going on for many years. So okay. is it because people are more aware now that this is happening and that's why they're feeling privacy is an issue now? or uh, I don't know exactly what the... Because he was measuring... I mean, this is how he was doing his pricing costs, was that he was measuring this, um, seeing the frequencies on, and he, I guess he was accumulating people's data or something on how they use electricity. Yes, yeah, so how they use electricity, but for, I guess for the previous data, mm -hmm. the granularity cannot be such small, right? So this is for every one second we record uh, elec uh, an electricity load here. Mm -hmm. Is that for the previous data? I'm not sure. was controlling I mean eventually so I was just kind of curious if people are becoming more aware with 
Oh, I guess privacy. I didn't mention clearly. So this is just the electricity usage for one house at mm -hmm. this period of time for three days. Yeah. I guess what you said is not for one house, right? No, he was it's measuring every, I mean, every, he controlled, he was controlling a monopoly. So he controlled residential, he controlled businesses, and he was measuring everything. Okay. Like, I mean, like this. And I was just kind of curious, what my, I guess my curiosity is, um, if people are getting more aware of this issue, and that's why they feel privacy is an issue when this has been happening for many years. Okay, I, think, I yeah. got your idea. Uh, I'm not really sure so what happened in the past, but actually, yes, this is people are really concerned about that in yeah. recent days. <laughs> okay, so at least for this figure, we can know we can know something that's when people are sleeping or when they are cooking or something. But the question is, can we learn more about that? And unfortunately, so the answer is yes. We can get something like in this figure, so we can guess from this. Uh, from this pick, it's caused by a dryer or something. It's caused by the heater from the TV. So to get this information, there's a method called the non-intrusive load monitoring method. So basically, the two main steps for this method is first, it's try to detect the load change event. So we call it a load change event when the current load is different from the previous loads. So remember that the granularity of the data is just one second data. So it's just the load from the previous second. And then the second step is they try to match the load difference with some non-appliance uh, profile. So that is something we can get from the internet. I will give you an example of this detection. So first, from this figure, this is the load profile. So we can see that at one second, the electricity curve jumps up to, uh, up to the amount of 40 watts. And maybe we know that there is a bulb which takes the power of 40 watts at this house. So we say this is a match. And the guess we can make is this jump in the load profile is probably caused by the bulb is turned on. So you can see that from uh, from the load profile, we can know a lot of things. So actually, we can know pretty precise information of the appliances usage in the house. And uh, because of currently in the nowadays, they currently so people's behavior are more or less related to the electricity appliances. So if we can know all of the behavior of the appliances, there is no privacy of person at home at all, right? So we are trying to hide this detection. Uh, we try to prevent this detection. To do that, we have a method called battery-based load hiding. So this is some. This is the picture of the meter and uh, utility company and also your house. So the meter will record your usage in the house and transmit it to the utility company. And basically the. Battery-based load hiding method means that we want to employ a battery to partially supply to the net demand. Uh, we we call it DT in the house, and uh, so so it it will it will use the battery to partially support the house to alter the external load. So we call it ET. This is something can be seen by the smart meter and also the utility company. So we have the equation here, ET equals DT plus BT, because all the energy must be used. So from this method, I think one 
ideal method we can think about is we can try to make everything flat. So remember that uh, in the previous in the previous several slides, I have said there's a non-monetary instruct. Yeah, so I think I should show the slides. So this is a non-intrusive non load monitoring method. So from this method, what we can do is we first the first step of this method is we need to find the load change event. So that's something we want to prevent the attacker know. And basically, we want the battery to do such things. Uh, so let me give some name notation of that things. So we call it the prime t. It's the derivative of the demand load. So what we want to do is we want to use the battery to let people know less of dt or the prime t from et, uh, which is the things which can be seen from the utility company. So one approach, so one ideal approach, I think most people can think about this. We just try to you know, make the output load, the ET, to be flat forever. So that is possible, actually. So we can make it the ET always to be the average of the usage for one day or for one month. It is possible. And it sounds good, right? But there's one problem here. So it is infeasible because of we need a really, really large battery. I'm not really sure whether we can get such a battery, but actually battery is really expensive. And I guess most people are not willing to pay such a lot of money just for privacy. So we must have some limit for the battery here. And uh, in our settings, we say that so there's some capacity limit of the battery. So the battery cannot be always charged to full. The upper bound safe limit of the battery state is 90%, and the lower bound is 20% for the battery. And also, there should be a limit charge or discharge rate from the battery. So we call it beta C and beta D, and we are assuming that these two numbers are the same. So now the problem becomes that we have such a limited battery, and we have the load profile. So what we can do with such things? So in the rest of the, this talk, I will first introduce two existing methods, and then we'll propose our method, and I will show the experiment results. So first existing method is called the best effort method. So the basic idea of this method is it tries to avoid changing the external load whenever possible. And the so to do this, what you can do is to charge or discharge the battery to make up the difference between the external load and the demand load, ET and the DT. And this is the detailed step for this algorithm. So there are just four cases when people have to change the external load. So that is when battery is full because we cannot, uh, so we cannot further charge the battery. So we have to set the demand load to be external load. So this is the four cases. It seems to be good, but the thing is we can we can still recover the load change event from this algorithm. So the reason is that uh, so we can see from these slides, so no matter how we change it, it is always highly related to the actual demand load. We can see it's either uh, it's either equal to dt or to be dt plus or minus beta c or beta d. And the result is, if we can observe two consecutive load changes in the external load in et, 
then we can guess maybe the derivative of this two load is the actually the actual demand. And uh, from our, our experiment, we can show that the guess is pretty accurate. I will show the experiment li result later. And here I give an example of the uh, output of the best effort algorithm. So the upper figure is the actual load profile and the bottom figure is the results provided from the best effort algorithm. We can see this in the big circle, it's the blue one. Uh, I think maybe it's not really clear, but we can see that there's a, there's a slope there, and actually the shape of the slope is exactly the same in these two figures, although the height is not at the same level. And also in the green circle, there's a jump so the value of jump is also exactly the same in these two figures. So that's what we can recover from this algorithm. And I will, I will begin to say about the other algorithm. So we call it non-intrusive load leveling algorithm. It's new algorithm. This algorithm is, is proposed in the 2011 in the CCS conference. So what it wants to do is it wants to set three states, and in each state, it tries to maintain a sta stable load for each state. So first is the stable state. For the stable state, it wants to guess what the average load in the near future will be. So in this algorithm, uh, it mainly wants to stay at the stable state as long as possible, but if it can't, then there are two, two other states. So the high recovery state, uh, that is because when the battery is, is over, it is discharged to almost empty. So we have to, we have to, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, I got it wrong. <laughs> if the battery is almost full, we have to discharge the battery. So at that, dis at that time, we cannot, we cannot keep the output load still at the stable state level. So we have to set the output load to be slightly lower than the demand load so as to discharge the battery. There's a third state, we call it low recovery state. So in this state, this is caused by the battery may be empty and we have to recharge the battery. So in this state, they set the output load, the external load to be the maximum charge rate, which is beta C. So I should say that this algorithm works actually pretty well if we have a large battery. But the thing is, in our setting, we do not have a large enough battery. So then here's the problem. If the battery is not that large, then this algorithm will leak the actual load uh, when there's a high jump. We call it a peaks here. Uh, so the definition of the peaks is uh, the peaks are the events that the demand is too high and uh, if we fully discharge the battery we still cannot maintain the constant external load so this is the load in the three states and uh, so we can see that the peaks will happen in these two cases so ET uh, equals to DT plus beta D if the battery still can be discharged 
but the battery cannot if the battery cannot be discharged then the external load has to be equal equal to the demand load so ET will equal to DT at this time we say that um, if if we can see two load change events uh, sorry we can see two consecutive peaks then we can recover the to demand load at this two point of time and then we can recover load change events. So here's an also an example. So in this example we have the battery which uh, which the capacity of the battery is 0 0.5 kilowatt hour. Uh, it's it's not a small battery it's actually I think I remember the cost of that battery is around one hundred dollar so for this battery, we can see that the in the bottom figure, this is the output of the neo algorithm. We can see in this blue circles, the shape of the uh, the shape of the output load is exactly the same of the shape of the demand load, which is in the upper figure here. Okay, so now we have introduced two. Algorithm and they are all they are always they are all not secure, so we can recover the load change event. So then we can find the behavior of the appliances. And next, I will present our method. So we call it a stepping method. So here, the idea of the stepping method is we want the quantization. So that means that we want the external load to be some integers plus beta. So beta here can be some actually can be some arbitrary number. We just want to we just want to map the uh, demand load to some certain uh, to some certain number of constant value. So here the equation et equals to ht times beta. So ht is always takes the integer value, and uh, we want to choose beta to be the largest possible value. So this is, should be some value based on battery. And we say beta should be the smaller one of beta C and beta D. So I will give you the reason. So here if we if we now observe and demand load at this level and uh, if the battery is already empty so it cannot oh sorry if the battery is full so it cannot be uh, if the battery is full, so it can we can we cannot uh, even charge the battery. Is that the case? Oh, I guess I got something. Yeah, I mi I missed up something. So, so in this case, we should say that the if if we have we can we if we observe a load at this level, and if we also know that, um, so if we cannot, we have to charge battery at this level. So that means that battery may be empty at this at this time. So because of we want the quantization, there are two possible values for this level of uh, this value of input. So the output can be either one beta or two beta. But because of we cannot the battery is empty, so we cannot discharge the battery. So the output has to be two beta. So that means that beta should be at least uh, uh, at least. Uh, mm, smaller than the max charge rate. So similarly we can also get the idea if this point is 
if this point is around the two beta, then we have to set beta to be smaller than the max uh, discharge rate, that is beta d. So beta should be the smaller one of beta c and beta d. Because of the mechanism here, uh, we, we have another point here. So the only two possible value output value of this input is 2 beta or 3 beta. Because of our mechanism, what we only need to decide is whether we need to charge or discharge the battery. So we set a charging signal here, ST. So that means that this algorithm actually is just controlled by this signal. So actually, we will give four different algorithms for this uh, for this framework. So the first two will all call them lazy stepping, because for this algorithm, we want to maintain the external load unchanged as long as possible. So that means it will only be changed when the battery is full, battery is low, or uh, the demand load is too high or too low, so that we cannot keep the previous uh, previous load. And there are two different versions of that algorithm. So in LS1, so we call it lazy, uh, lazy stepping one. So ST, this is the charging signal. It will be set to one if the battery is below half. So at that time, we want to charge the battery. Or we have another version of that. So when ST has to, uh, no, when ET has to be changed, we set is the ST randomly to zero or one. This is one method we proposed, and uh, oh sorry, this is already two. So the third is lazy charging. So the idea is we want to maintain charge, uh, we maintain the ST unchanged. So we just keep charging the battery or discharge the battery until the battery is either too high or too low. And the third method, uh, we just uh, it's the fourth method. Sorry, we just randomly select to charge or discharge battery, but we select the random number based on the battery state. So I will first give you some privacy analysis on the stepping algorithm. So here, I, I, would, I would argue that one can always obtain some degree of privacy guarantee. That is because the observer's uncertainty is always too beta. So we can see in the, if we observe the blue point, uh, we cannot observe the blue point. If we observe the external load to be too beta, we cannot determine whether it's from this red point or this blue point. So the uncertainty is too beta. And even if the attacker can know that uh, whether the battery is charging or not, so that means that um, if the attacker knows, so if we say that the external, lo uh, external load is too beta, and the attacker knows that now we are, um, we are charging the battery, so he can only say that the demand load will be between 2 beta and uh, 3 beta, but he cannot tell the exact value from our algorithm. So the uncertainty here is still beta. And if, so, so that means that we, can note, we cannot learn the accurate load change event. And here is also an example of our algorithm. You can see the output looks fine. So there's not much information we can know. We did some experiments. So first, uh, I will introduce the set of the data set we are using. So we use two sets of data set. 
the first that is one second resolution data set. So the granularity is just one second. And this is collected in four houses and apartments in the United States. And we also use uh, another set of data set. It is the, with one minute resolution. Mm, so it is from a study published on the UK data archive and uh, including the data measured in one minute resolution in 22 dwelling over two years. So we have a lot of data in this data uh, in this data set, and we just choose six longest consecutive data to do our experiments. And remember, we have some limited battery settings. Uh, battery. Uh, yeah, we have some limited battery here. So in our experiment, we all we also limited the capacity of the battery. We measure the effect of the three, three algorithm on on the battery with different sizes. So capacity of the battery ranges from 0 0.1 kilowatt hour to 1.2 kilowatt hour. And we always assume beta C equals to beta T, so the battery can charge or discharge with the same maximum rate. And we say the max discharge rate is 1C, so that means if a uh, full battery is discharged at its maximum rate, it will be discharged empty in one hour. So for example, if we have a battery with, which has the capacity of 0 0.5 kilowatt hour, then in every second what it can be charged is just 0 0.5 kilowatts second. So here's the results for for the new algorithm and the best effort algorithm. So I have already introduced how we can attack the result of this two algorithm, and here we show the result how successful the attacks are. The denominator here um, is the number of events we detected, and the denominator is how many of them are accurate. So we can see from this table that our our attack is pretty accurate here. So there's a difference uh, for the upper side and the bottom side of this table because for the one minute data set, so this is just the mm, this is just the detect, uh, event detected per day. So the one minute data set, the length of that data set is 60 times shorter than the one second data set. So we can see the number of here is smaller. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I will introduce something here. I also want to measure our method, the stepping method. But the thing is, the stepping algorithm does not have similar vulnerability. So we cannot know the load change event from our method. So how can we measure that? Here we use something called mutual information. Uh, I won't go into the details of this method. Uh, I just put the formula here. So basically what the mutual information measures is the, uh, so uh, to what extent knowing one of the two variables can reduce the uncertainty about the another. So this is the what mutual information do. And uh, what we need to know is if the two random variables x, y are independent, then the mutual information is zero. 
And alternatively, if they are highly independent, then this value can be higher. I give you some reason why the information is zero here, because if it is independent, then we know the probability of x times probability of y will equal to probability of xy. So we can get the log of these things, it will be zero, so the information here will be zero here. This is the reason why xy are independent to mutual information zero. So in our experiment, we want to measure three set of uh, we did three set of different experiment uh, measurements. So first, we want to measure the mutual information between e prime and d prime. So here, e prime and d prime are the derivative of the external load and the demand load. So for the other set of measurement, we try to get the mutual mutual information between. We call it the binary version of the uh, derivative mutual information measurement. So here we can see that we we just do some pre-processing of our data. So if we have the load change event in the demand data is larger than 20 watts, we say that dB is 1. Otherwise, we set it to be 0. And also we do the same thing for the external load. So for this measurement, we what we want to see is to what extent the information of a load change in E prime will correlated whether uh, correlated to a load change occurs in DT. We here we don't care about the value of the load change. We just want to see whether a load change will uh, will cause the load change in uh, a load change in DT. Whether it will cause uh, a load a load change in ET. And we. Still, we do another experiment. So here we use the Markov model. Uh, I guess I need to give you some introduction of what is Markov chain. So I put it here. So Markov chain is a mathematical system that can undergo transition forms from one state to another. And the, the main point of the Markov chain is its memorylessness. So that means the next state only depends on the current state, and it's not depends on the sequence of events that preceded it. So here's the formal equation here. We can see the probability of x, x n plus 1 is just based on x n. Uh, x n. So we want to measure the mutual information of the Markov chain, because actually we know that the um, uh, we know that the load power should be dependent on the previous one. So in the first set of measurement, we are assuming they are totally independent. So that's not correct. And here's some results we got from our experiments. So we can see from the results. So this is the mutual information. Remember that the smaller values means means we get better results. So we can see here, our method is the right four bars. So the green is not good enough, but the other is good. This is the measurement of the, uh, directly puts the mutual information on D prime and E prime. The battery setting is 0.5 kilowatt hour. We can see our result is better here. And for the binary version, one interesting, uh, we can also see that our method is good, but the interesting thing is the 
random charging methods outperform the other other methods pretty much. So I uh, I think the reason for that is for the random charging, whether to charge or not is just based on the battery state, but not based on the demand load or the external load. So. Uh, so the dependency will be smaller on that method. So we can see here the LS1 and LS2 are also good. They also outperform all the other methods except just the random charging. And for the binary version, it is more meaningful and uh, the result is more clear. So all of our stepping algorithm outperform the best effort and the nail algorithm here. So this can give us the results. Um, the dependency between the load event are significantly weakened by uh, by our our method by our method uh, the stepping method. Okay. So lastly, we do some interesting experiments. The thing is, we know the battery expensive. So we also know that people mostly are not willing to pay that much money just for privacy issues. And uh, uh, we get one example here, so a 0.5 kilowatt hour battery will cost $100 and a larger battery of course will cost more. So we want to compare to gain similar privacy level how large, how large battery we should use for each algorithm. We use the mutual information here for the criteria, so the mutual information of the uh, the over the Markov chain model. And uh, so here is the result. We can see from here that um, if we use the stepping algorithm, then for average. We can um, use uh, with that. Oh, sorry, not for average. So we can use that uh, that small battery to get such a such a mutual information value. And if we want to get the similar privacy, so if we want to get the mutual information value closer to close to that, for the best effort algorithm, for the one second data set, the average size of battery will be one point four times larger. And for the one-minute data sets, the battery will be about two times larger for the battery in the uh, LS2. And for the nail uh, method, the battery will be even larger. So from the experiment, we can know that our stepping algorithm can obtain some good privacy protection with a smaller battery. And also, so that means the lower cost. Okay, so that's the end of my talk. Any questions? Okay. Could you go back to the slide with the uh, Markov chain model? Uh, do you know this? Do you mean this? Yes. Um, actually, maybe one more forward, because you take one step between the um, values of E and D. So go one forward, please. Okay. Thank you. Um, so you have one step between the values of E and D. E prime and D prime. Yes. Uh -huh. So, um, but your Markov model is memoryless, and it works. 
the random charging um, algorithm seems to work very well because the uh, decision to charge is based on the battery state. Yes. Well, the battery state is also uh, based on the history of its usage, so maybe more steps um, backwards yes, in times true. would reveal that. Uh, that's true, but it's less related uh, for, but for the other <laughs> method, they are more related to the previous date. Okay, so, so, just so for it's the, best for it's, now. It's kind of cheating because the random charging is just based on the battery, and the battery, it should be based on the long period of history, so we cannot know that. Okay, thank you. Maybe I'm missing something because the currents in the house is AC current, the battery is DC current. Yes. It is not just the price of the battery, so we need am I missing something or are they going to use the battery and not just connecting the battery? There should be some techniques to transform the AC to DC, but it's, we didn't do that just. Yeah, that I'm saying that the cost is not just the battery. You mean the cost of the transmission, there will be some energy loss, right? Because every, there yeah, are a lot of integration of other true. systems, so... That's true. Yeah. Uh, we didn't consider that because we want to compare it with the previous one, and the previous one didn't consider that. If we do that, it's really hard to say, and it's much more complicated. Yeah, that's what I think. Thanks. Okay. So, uh, is this purely... Uh, for the reasons which you know the electrical company are going to profile you, or is there a reason? Is there another reason other than the profiling aspect of it? I'm sorry, say it again. As in um, the method that you, rather the whole way, um, the method that you implement, where you know you should not be able to detect the spikes and the troughs and the changes in you know in, the, in your electrical usage, is it purely to you know? Prevent the electrical company from detecting those things and making building a profile about oh, no, no, you. No, we are not preventing electricity company from knowing that. Duh. So if just it's just the electricity company will know that that's fine. If we are assuming they are secure, so nobody else will get the data, that's fine. Backly, we cannot we cannot uh, always always make sure that right. So it is some possibility maybe this data may be may be leaked to some bad guys. So for the just for the electricity company, it's fine. I mean, have you seen such a situation? Because you know every kind of data has a possibility of being leaked. So yes, yeah, so that's what we are concerning. It may be leaked. It's it cannot be totally be secure. Thank you. Thank you.